Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Melinda, and you're listening to the Haitian Free Thinkers Radio Show. Every human culture has a set of creation myths. But they're in the realm of... Mythology or religion or folklore, uh, and they are, of course, all mutually inconsistent. The great thing is every human culture has a set of creation myths. Has has a set of creation myths. Every human culture has a set of creation myths. Has has a set of creation myths. This is talkless rap. Jews hear my music and run out the room like all our cost is back. Europeans say that block and rap. Good evening, everybody. This is Reggie, and you're listening to the Haitian Freethinkers Radio Show. Tonight is November the 7th of 2016. This is the day before... Uh, the Tuesday of the elections, the presidential elections for 2016, and I've been uh, fortunate to be joined by Mr. Reginald Finley, otherwise known as the Infidel Guy. The music in the background is Myth by Graven Square, so I'm just letting that ride a little bit to the uh, the end. Uh, tonight, uh, we're starting at 8.30 p.m. Um, Patient Free Thinkers, for those of you who don't know, is one of the world's few groups for Haitians who are secular people. You can find us on uh, on our website, which is HaitianFreeThinkers.org, uh, but the group primarily is on Facebook, and uh, we have a page, we have the group. So if you wish to join, simply just search for Haitian Freethinkers, find the group, send the request, um, and I'll write you back, and uh, I'll let you... Uh, in the group if you are interested in us. So, uh, to, to speak to myself or the guest, you can call in the guest call-in number, which is 657-383-1619. Once again, that's 657-383-1619. The show is scheduled for about two hours, but uh, we may do 30 minutes to an hour, uh, depending how things go. Uh, so, uh, for those of you who don't know who Mr... Uh, or the Infidel guy is um, I'll let him uh, give a quick bio of who he is Alright well thank you Reggie for having me of course my name is Reggie as well <laughs> I'm more well known as the Infidel guy at least that's what they call me since uh, 1999 uh, but yeah I started the Infidel guy show um, uh, right around 1999 and I was first uh, involved I got involved in skepticism right around 1996 or so, and um, I decided that I was a, a non-theist right around that same time, and I didn't really know anybody else uh, that was a free-thinking uh, you know, atheist and humanist, especially uh, uh, one of my complexion. 
uh, or at that time. And so I started doing some digging online and discovered that there were some, a few programs out there where people were broadcasting and discussing free thought. And so I decided that I wanted to get involved in that as well. And, um, but before that took hold, I actually worked as a psychic for the psychic network for a little while. And that really honed my skills and skepticism. <laughs> and, um, but then shortly after that, to, to basically undo my wrongs, I decided to start my own broadcast uh, talking about you know, philosophy and science and critical thought. And uh, the show took off. And uh, at its heyday, I had hundreds of thousands of listeners all around the world. And uh, after YouTube came out, and let's be honest, I just kind of lost the motivation as there was just so much material out there. And uh, I kind of lost the passion for it. And I decided to go back and get my education and uh, disappear for a little while, and now I'm involved in many, many other things. Wow. Um, I knew a little bit about your background, but I did not know that you worked for the Psychic uh, Network, is it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure okay. did. I, I responded to an ad in the paper. Uh, it was a counseling. I was looking for a, another job, a little more part-time job at the time, and and it said, uh, looking for counselors, no experience needed. I said, I can do that. So I responded to the ad, and uh, unfortunately, I got lost uh, trying to find the place I was looking for. And, and when I got there, I, I told the, uh, uh, the, I guess, the coordinator, I said, I'm sorry, I was lost. If I were psychic, though, I really would have found the place. And nobody laughed. They, <laughs> they looked at me like they wanted to kill me. But... Um, but yeah, but that's how it started. And when they explained how it worked and everything, I said, well, and they pretty much admitted that the people that call in are people who think that you're the real deal anyway. So pretty much your job is to steer them, you know, and, and help them. But, you know, of course, they had certain laws they had to follow. Like if someone was suicidal, you had to uh, make sure you uh, give them support numbers to counseling, police, and stuff like that so that, you know, that wouldn't legally affect the company. But, but yeah, I even I wrote an article as well that was translated in many different languages all over the world, um, talking about my my uh, time with the psychic network and and what I learned uh, about you know humans and uh, human psychology, I should say, and how the psychic network works and how they fool themselves. I think that is extremely extremely interesting. I think we can spend a whole lot um, on that. Um, uh, alone, um, because it reminded me of my time doing, um, when I first was starting to work, I worked for um, this company called PRC back in uh, South Florida. I'm from Miami. And PRC was a large um, group that uh, housed different accounts to take um, inbound and outbound calls for different companies such as Taco Bell, DirecTV, et cetera. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't not, it was not in the psychic business, but, you know, like I interacted with individuals from all over the country, and uh, that was a, a wide, uh, eye-opening experience for me as a young man because uh, um, I was either selling them something or I was trying to resolve their issue. And so that interaction really um, was a good experience for me. So, um, and I also um, kind of saw like inaction or the lack thereof. Um, and when you're on the inside, you kind of learn certain things that the general public 
uh, does not. So, um, uh, you know, I, I'm a person that, that is very much interested in sh- human psychology, which is why I think I'm borderline obsessed with uh, religion, even though I'm, I'm an atheist. So um, mm-hmm. uh, that, that's an uh, interesting uh, background. So, uh, so around 1996, I think you said that's when you started to kind of understand that you were an atheist. Is that correct? Yes, around 1996, uh, I actually went to uh, college. I started going to uh, St. Leo College, and as you know, that's a originally I think it's a, it's a Catholic uh, university. And I took a course called the Philosophy of Atheism, and I was actually recommended that course by the dean at the time because he was he he just found my interest in philosophy, uh, you know, intriguing, and he wanted to kind of push me. And so I took that course, and that was pretty much the straw that broke the camel's back because it was George H. Smith's book, Atheism, The Case Against God. I recommend your listeners, if you want somebody that truly just speaks plainly, simply, and just breaks it down, I mean, he he basically had the courage to talk about things that I knew in the back of my head, but I couldn't really talk about those things outwardly. And it just opened my mind to realize there are just different ways to view uh, God or gods and the supernatural. And it, was just, it just woke me up. And I later tried to share that information with uh, peers and family and friends and whatnot. And, and I was naive. I was young. I was around 23 or so at the time, 22. I didn't know. Um, they rejected me. I lost almost every single friend I thought I had. Um, I had family members turn on me. I had people treat me like I was just Satan incarnate. And all I was doing is asking questions at that age, at that time, because I didn't really, I wasn't really sure yet of everything. I just was, I was just asking questions, and I was rejected so harshly. Um, and now I understand now that it was really fear. But back then, I didn't quite understand where all this vitriol and hate was coming from, you know. And um, and then shortly after that, I began discovering there were others like me out there. I just had to seek them out. And you're talking back then. I mean, all you had was like AOL chat, <laughs> it's like, you know, you have IRC chat room, you know, that doesn't matter. You know, you didn't really have a lot back then. And that, uh, that, uh, that journey uh, led me to find um, the atheism freedom liberation show. That was uh, the creation of Jake. Um, uh, he called, he called himself back then AFL Jake. And uh, I asked him, you know, how do you do this? And he actually showed me the ropes. And again, my show took off in 1999, and I did that for about 10 solid years, off and on, producing over 500 shows. In fact, my site is still up at infidelguide.com if anyone wants to look at some of the uh, archives. That was the Atheist Freedom Liberation Show, is that what you said? Yeah, he called it the Atheism Freedom Liberation Show. It's no longer in existence, but... He, he and I founded the Atheist Network together. I think that is still up, atheistnetwork.com. We founded that together. And uh, actually, over the course of you know, 15 years, uh, he uh, and I, uh, we, we've created maybe at least 30 different websites, all dedicated to uh, humanism, free thought, critical thinking, rationality, et cetera. And, um, yeah, <laughs> Okay, so I'm writing down. I'm writing down notes as as you talk, cause this is epic for me. You gotta understand. Uh, so I got uh, George H. Smith, the case against God. I found that online. Um, mm-hmm. The atheist 
uh, is it Atheist Freedom Liberation Show? Yes, it's no longer um, he's no longer doing the program though. However, but that was that's what got me started actually. Okay. Uh, listening listening to his program, I got impatient because he wasn't airing enough. So I so, so I asked him, how do you do this? And yep, and uh, and back then we were using real media technology. This was way before there was such a thing called podcasting. Back then it was just called streaming media or streaming MP3s or streaming real audio, and that's what we used. And we used. Uh, websites to um just to uh, uh well we can stream through uh http protocol or we'll anyway i don't want to get too technical for some of the technical folks out there might know what i'm talking about but but we use a lot of different methods to get our message out there and again it was, it was, it was very very quite successful and considering someone who was just a young you know black guy who didn't really know much of anything other than how i just my passion you know, for, for learning. Um, I had no formal education. I didn't have any formal education in media. You know, uh, it didn't do too bad. Right. I, I think, I think uh, you did really, really good. Um, you, you are one of the people that uh, steered me towards being the person that I am today. Um, however small way can, uh, it is, um, I'm very grateful for everything that you've done. Uh, so um, it's it's um, very understandable um, how intimidating that this process can be and how discouraging it, it can be sometimes because what I'm doing, I think, is, is uh, it seems like, you know, it's like talking on an island. Like, I, I don't know what... Uh, return I'm going to get on this this investment because the show is not necessarily popular. I do have the advantage of having some free or, or low-cost tools at my disposal, um, but mm-hmm. um, I, it, it's very important to me. It's my passion, um, and so I, I truck on. So you did really, really well. Um, let me so I'm glad to help. That's why I was, that's why I was there. <laughs> and, and if I may, really quickly, I hate to stop your thought there, but I'm reminded of when I first started this, like I said, I didn't know any other black free thinkers, atheists, and humanists at all. There was no one. The only one person I knew was Norm Allen Jr. Uh, at that time, he was uh, with Paul Kurtz's organization, um, and he was the only guy I knew. And so I created uh, blackatheist.com, blackfreethinkers.com. I created quite a number of websites, and there was just hardly no one around. I created a Yahoo group called Black Free Thinkers. I think that's still in existence. I created that group. And I think there are thousands of members of that now. Uh, but, you know, there was nobody. And so it wasn't until after I stopped my radio program is when I noticed there was this blossoming of groups popping up everywhere. You know, I was like, where did all these, all these people come from? And so it wasn't until later I was getting all these emails saying, hey, I'm a black free thinker. I'm listening to your radio show. I was like, dude, you never emailed me before. <laughs> like, I didn't even know hardly anyone was listening. And and a lot of these folks credit well they this is what they say they credited me because I jumped off the air and motivated them to start their own things and so a lot of groups out there started their own organizations because they were fans of my radio program and as well in the past so that was very very humbling to hear that and pretty awesome so and ironically me stopping doing the show helped a lot helped motivate a lot of other people to start their programs and and organizations funny enough yeah yeah I mean that's that's just the way it is. And, and, uh, every now and then uh, on my side, uh, you know, I get, um, a message or something like that from, 
from individuals in the Haitian community saying that, you know what, they've heard it or they know about it. And so it's um, I'm rounding those cats trying to um, get a, a, a better idea of how big the demographic mm-hmm. is for, for what I'm trying to do. So mm-hmm. now it's 2016, and uh, I'm trying to kind of put myself in, in, in your shoes to see um, why was there such uh, a vacuum or lack of um, secular people that you knew of, not just people of color, I'm, I'm assuming, but in general. Right. Um, is it the area that you lived in? You think that was just the zeitgeist of the times? It just wasn't a thing? and not it just, kind of more... You know what? It's so weird. It may, have, it may have just not been the right time for a lot of people. Um, as you know, we're, we're pretty much very social people. And it's only been, as far as I know, very recently where I see a, a lot more independence among us. Um, you know, a lot more standing up regardless of criticism. I'm seeing a lot more um, confidence in independent thought. And I didn't, there wasn't a lot of that. I remember getting hundreds of emails when I was doing the radio show from many in the closet black agnostics and black free thinkers who, whose wives were Christian and they would go to church every Sunday. And they were like, I don't know how to tell my wife this, you know? And so I think maybe now it's just a time and there are tons of free thinking dating services now out there. Um, there we, 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 are, we can just so much more easily now uh, get in contact with each other and discover and find each other just through LinkedIn searches and Facebook searches and Google searches. You know what I mean? So we didn't have all that um, at our disposal 10 years ago. It, it was non-existent. And so now we have that. And I think yeah, it's just given us that confidence that, you know what, I can meet a significant other that's free thinking. I can, um, you know, I, and or as we get older, some of us, we just mature and don't care that much. We don't care what anybody believes. I know pretty much I'm that way now as I've gotten older. I'm, I'm pretty much live and let live now. Uh, I wasn't that way a decade ago, but I am more so now. I'm non-militant. I'm like, look, believe what you may. Just don't hurt anybody. And that's pretty much my philosophy, um, you know. And so I think that's what's taken foot here. And I think we need a lot more solid, um, you know, intelligent, mature uh, free thinkers out there, you know, really helping guide and lead some of our youth because um, you know, I'm really concerned about them. And we can probably talk more about that as well. Okay, we definitely can. Um, for those of you who are listening live, uh, this is the Haitian Free Thinkers radio show. My name is Reggie. And lo and behold, I'm interviewing another Reggie, Reginald Finley. He is the uh, uh, infidel guy, I was going to say the atheist guy, the infidel guy, uh, this is the Haitian Free Thinkers radio show here on Block Talk Radio. You can call in live. The guest call-in number is 657-383-1619. Once again, that's 657-383-1619. We understand that for whatever reason, you may not be listening live, so you can uh, remember or save that number for next time. Um, I announced the shows on Facebook. Uh, It's only because of um, scheduling conflicts and trying to line things up that uh, this show may not be as regular as uh, it should be or will be. But um, you can catch the show um, using iTunes. It's on Stitcher. It's on um, Google Play. Uh, I've spread it out there. So, you know, just search for it. You'll find old shows. This is show number 80. We have a website, Um And so we're benefiting from 
um, all the work that the pioneers have, have done. So here we are. Um, our job or my goal is to um, gather or get in touch with, with as many uh, Haitian secular people that they are, um, they are out there um, if possible and also at the same time be like, a, I guess, an ambassador to the Haitian believers out there because um, there's a lot of them. You know, obviously we're a minority right now, but um, I think most people have had at least one or, or more questions in the back of their minds to know some of the things that I think I take for granted uh, at this point in my life. Uh, so, yeah, uh, that's what it is. Um, gosh, the youth. Uh, they're called the millennials, and uh, you're current. You're currently a teacher. Is that correct? That is correct. Last year, I taught uh, biology at a high school here in Florida, and uh, this year, I'm teaching at another high school. I'm, t- I'm teaching marine biology and chemistry. Uh, both fascinating subjects, and high school um, is a fascinating time. Uh, I'll give you a little backdrop on myself. Um, I went to uh, I was in Norland Middle School when uh, a science teacher named Ronald Parks made a, well, two science teachers made an impact on me. Uh, Ronald Parks was a Vietnam veteran, and uh, he said something that I never forgot. He said, he said, look at the clock. He said that we've, we as human beings have only been here for about five minutes. And I remember thinking to myself, like, that's not what we learn in church. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm a really weird person in that, like, I actually listen to these things. And when people say certain things, I, I tend to follow up on what they're saying. And I really, like, in retrospect, I kind of feel like he was kind of um, hampered by what he could and could not say. And... But yeah, you know, he was able to drop some dimes, and I remember doing like a a, a very um, small science project, and I just was um, in love with the whole thing. Um, and had I know what I know now, like I felt like young Reggie could have been shepherded in a in a, a certain way, and I could have been more like Neil deGrasse Tyson, you know. If I hung mm-hmm. around with those, if I hung around those people, which some people call nerds. Man, I could have been in the tech industry. I could have been in the valley somewhere. I mean, I mean, you know, I'm just saying. But this guy, he he dropped, he he made an impression on me. And the other science teacher was, um, oh gosh, I forgot her name, but she was what some people might call today a hippie. Um, but she introduced me to um, environmental issues. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, again, something that I felt like was so important, and I was very much. My hair was on fire, as they say, and I was like, "Why isn't everybody recycling?" This is a very important topic. So, teachers, um, at least for me, do make a very big difference. So, thank you very much. But at the same time, when I got into high school, I, I did get caught up in the being cool thing. You know, like um, I didn't. I was more concerned about you know my social status, right. and uh, I ended up not being the shining star that I could have been. So mm-hmm. how do you how do you how do you handle that kind of thing and and are the kids um, still in that yeah. state of mind trying to basically well, of course. 
Okay. Yeah, in, yeah. In, in, any, in any public school, you can always get that, right? Yeah, it's always people competing competing for who's the most liked and who's the prettiest and who's the coolest and who can lift the most weights and who can do the most push-ups, which is usually me. Um, but, you know, but, you know, that's what, uh, you know, you see a lot of it. I tried my best to inspire, um, you know, the students. And uh, what I did was, much like you mentioned how you, what your teacher does, I try to do that uh, with my students. I, I give them those little zingers, those little facts, those little things that they have never heard of before to really get them interested and to drive that passion and curiosity. Um, many of them and parents email me all the time saying, wow, you know, my, my son or my daughter has this new passion or this reignited pa- passion in science that they haven't had in years, you know, and they're like, what, is he, what are you doing? And the reality is I'm just bringing up reality to them in a, in a very open and free way. Uh, I let them give me their opinions um, we analyze and discuss their opinions. I don't put them down. I, I try to show that there's value in, in all of our thinking. And they seem very open to this. And I, I've done it in, in the private school sector, and the public school sector, and the students seem to really be drawn to having a teacher that's open. I never tell my students, nope, wrong, wrong, just wrong. You know, and I, um, you know, and I just I let them express themselves. Um, and I think some teachers aren't very patient. Some may not be, and it helps to be patient and understanding and open and uh, allowing your students to share. And so I think that's what they like. Uh, I have a segment that I call the organism of the day. So um, I expose them to new, weird, freaky, and creepy organisms they've probably never heard of or ever seen before, showing them our wonderful biodiversity on our planet. And also, as you talked about the environment, you know, and I bring that into play as well, and you know, how we need to preserve and take care of this planet. It's the only one we know of. Um, you know, like Neil deGrasse Tyson says, you know, we're not going to live on Mars. We're not going to Mars. This is our home. And we're destroying it by leaps and bounds as if there's a bottomless pit, uh, you know, that we can just throw everything into. And we don't understand that it goes nowhere but on this planet. So I talked to my students about that and and they really have all said that it opened their minds up in many different ways. And not just science. We, we cover philosophy as an aside, like uh, through critical thinking. Like how do you know what you know? How do you know that you're right? How do you verify uh, that you're right? You know, and, and how do you be unbiased as a researcher? And so we talk about those things, and the students are very quickly seeing how that spills over into the way they look at claims on the Internet, how they look at politics as well. And I think we need more of that. I think when you see critical thinking in the curriculum, they're not talking about talking about the same kind of critical thinking I'm talking about. <laughs> okay, you know what I mean? It's, it's different. I mean, I'm, I'm re- I really, really, it's more than just trying to fit the yellow star into this <laughs> into the star sur- into the star uh, thing on the box. You know, it's it's deeper than that. You know, I'm asking questions such as why do you do that? Um, you know, the who, what, when, where, why, and how. That's what we were all taught as little kids, and I've noticed, and you probably can verify this, that that seems to disappear the older you get. You don't hear as much critical thought and reflection about those things when you get older. You just start kind of buying into your own biases, and and we don't question ourselves as much as we should. I think that's 100% right, and uh, my hypothesis is that um... – it was kind of designed that way. I found out later on as an older person that how the school system is designed, why it's designed for. Um, I myself, I have um, 
the educators within this, like second nature to me. I want to basically kind of do what you're doing. Then I went to a counselor, and basically I learned about all the red tape and all the um, stuff that you have to go through to kind of, kind of, in my opinion, freely be who I feel like I could be. And I felt like, um, I don't know, it wasn't good for me at the moment. So I, I'm, I'm very much, um, I think what you're doing is, is, is beyond excellent, and it sounds like you're doing exactly what I would want to do. Um, the thing I would want to ask about the young people in your situation is that, like, when I went to college and I got introduced to um, critical thinking via philosophy, because I took philosophy, luckily, um, in um, my junior college years, I, I said to myself, like, why didn't I, why couldn't this be taught to me earlier? Like, it seems to me like the powers that be feel like certain subjects are not, um, Agreed. are not good for for younger people, and I think that's right. complete, um, completely the opposite uh, because, you know, had I been introduced to some of the concepts, to some of the people, to some of the books, to some of the, and, you know, we have a lot more access nowadays, I would have mm-hmm. been out of religion and I would have been a, a totally different person earlier. So what do you think about that? Right. I mean, well, there's no doubt that uh, kids can um, – absorb more than people realize. It really just depends on how well you know what, what, it, what it is you're talking about and how you deliver it to, the, you know, to that child. Um, I always criticize, for instance, teaching the teacher children that Santa Claus exists. And I get lashed, I get, you know, lashed back on this all the time from parents who they, they really try to justify why it's okay to lie to their kids. And I'm like, why do you do that? It's, it's, not, it's not like it's necessary. And I'm, I think you're setting your kids up to believe in fantasy, for one, and you're also teaching your kids that it's okay to lie, you know, to your children, just you know, if it makes them feel good. I mean, that's, I think it's a horrible precedent. And I think that this world and our reality is just as beautiful and precious as our fantasies if we know where to look. And that is something that I'm trying to do as an educator, show them where all this beautiful stuff is, all this amazing stuff in science, that they don't get exposed to every day. Right, you get. Of course, they all get exposed to Rudolph and Santa and Casper and all these cartoons and all the Powerpuff Girls. They get exposed to that every single day. But there are just as many, in my opinion, amazing things out there in our in our world of reality. And it's okay to have fantasy, and but you need to know what is fantasy, not believe it that it, that is true. Uh, I was explaining to my students the other day that I'm open about who I am philosophically. I tell them I'm a skeptic. And I told my students, it's like, look, I can go to a movie. I can watch a horror movie. I can watch the most scariest thing people say is scary. I can be in there flipping out like everybody else. At the end of the movie, when I walk out, I know that none of that exists in the real world. I said, if you can't do that, I said, then you need to really reassess how you know how you look at what reality is and what reality isn't because you should be able to leave that at the door. If you, if you can't do that, then you know start thinking more deeply about how you analyze you know evidence and what and 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 many of my students were like, wow, you know what? I've I you're right. I do that. You know, and I said, well, you're more prone then to magical thinking as well then. You know, because if you can be that emotionally taxed and or that emotionally convinced after that is all over with you may be more prone to believing all kinds of things. And I, I, in my experience, that's what I kind of noticed. The people who tend to drag that home, 
typically are more prone to believe in other kind of wild things. And um, so, yeah, so I think that's why. So I think it's a protective mechanism to make sure that early on we teach our children what reality is and what is not so that they form a defense against these kinds of things so that they aren't prone to, uh, to believe in you know, the, the, un, the unprovable. Okay. Um, back in school, um, we had one time we had uh, six periods of about 50 minutes each, and then we went to block scheduling. Do you use block scheduling? Because I want to know if you have enough time to really. Yeah, uh, we do now. Yeah, yeah. At this private school I'm in, actually we do. We have, we have block schedules, yep. Okay, so you get about what, an hour and a half, two hours? 90 minutes. Okay, 90 minutes. Okay, cool. That's that's more than enough time. I, I, exactly. I, that's why I love their school I'm teaching at, by the way. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, plenty of time. Okay, so do does do, does everybody know about you being the infidel guy? Does, does that affect you in any way? You know what? That's one thing I love about my principal at this school. Um, she right straight up told me, she's a Christian herself, goes to church religiously every Sunday, you know, and uh, – she told me straight up, look, I looked you up online, um, you know, is this going to be a problem? And I said, look, I'm all about the science. You know, I said, I'm, I've matured a lot over the years since my 20s. I'm now 42, you know, and, you know, I just want to, I want to improve the world by improving the way children see the world and, 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 and understand science's role in it and how they can also contribute science ideas and make this world a better place. And she loved that response. She said, that's what I'm talking about. You know, and they brought me on right away. And I was taken aback because that's the first time that I know of that anyone who knew, who's, who's known of my background brought me on board like that. So I really you know, give her huge kudos for that. And, but the whole school is very diverse, though. I mean, we have teachers who have, you know, they're openly open about their beliefs, and nobody cares. I mean, I love it. So as far as I know, I'm the only non-theist teacher there. But there are students who have come straight up, you know, come up to me and says, you know what, I'm glad you're here. First of all, you're a male. Second, you're a black male. Third, you're a non-theist, you're an atheist. And so I've had students say they love that because they don't get that. They may be coming from very conservative households or their parents may be closed-minded or something. So they like having someone that they can feed ideas off of, and they know that I'll give them the most objective and most unbiased, if I can, you know, explanation or comments, you know, to what they're saying and, and I can back it up with just no emotion. And so they like that. So, yeah, so, so yeah, so I, I have a really cool principal and I'm, like I said, I'm glad to be there. And uh, I mean, I, I didn't think I was going to find anything. Uh, it's been a struggle over the years. Like I said, when I decided to stop doing the infidel guy show, um, I was, I was just burned out, you know, 500 shows. I was tired, burned out, I had family issues going on. My mom was sick and she later died. And, you know, and so I was, you know, I was just burned out. I said, you know what, I want to start my own business, and I need to go back to school. And, uh, and that's what I did. Okay. Uh, well, I'm glad that, you know, you're you're doing good and uh, everything is working out. Um, you said private school, so I'm curious for the, to hear about the demographics of the school because um, when I think of private school, I think of exclusive and uh, social economic barriers, and so a lot more people could potentially benefit uh, from you right. just doing the same kind of thing in a in a in a 
in a different setting that's that's less exclusive. So what what would you say as far as the students are concerned? What what's the demographics uh, look like from what you observed? Well, I don't want to get too many details about this school because I don't really have permission to discuss this school in depth through my principal. But what I can say is that it is a school for students with um, uh, unique abilities uh, or, or unique special abilities, and um, you know these are uh, you know but they're very they, these kids have just amazed me. I mean, since since day one, their level of conversation, their maturity, um, you know, their, their intelligence and their um, compassion and passion for learning it just over the top blown me away because I didn't really experience that much in public school I experienced a lot of um, you know I don't really care let me just do this and get through this so that I can graduate and here I'm not getting that I'm getting they want to be there and but I think what helps do that is the fact that my school allows me freedom in the way I design my curriculum um, they say look you can copy and paste from this county if you want to or you can design a curriculum yourself just make sure you, you refer back to the standards make it yours, and make sure the kids are learning. And when they gave me that freedom, I was able to make sure I include the Florida standards, but also give them more – I can now more go more in-depth about those things that I did not have time to do before, you know, in public school. And so, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm happy so far with how things are turning out. Um, you know, 90-something percent of my students just love me as a teacher, and, and we're all learning from each other. And I think – so I think that's the key – and that's one of the flaws I think we have with the public school system is that teachers don't really have a lot of uh, flexibility with the curriculum. There's a lot of um, mistrust there um, between, you know, the state and, and the county and the teachers themselves because of, and I can't blame them. There have been a lot of bad issues. You know, we're talking uh, litigation issues. We're talking, you know, teachers not doing what they're supposed to do and, uh, you know, failing, you know, bad testing, bad test scores and all these various things. So I can understand why the state wanted to kind of grab that by the reins and try to get everybody to fall in line and in step to make sure that the kids are getting what they need. But the problem is every student is unique, and you need a teacher that's very flexible, but only a teacher can be really flexible then to deal with these unique and wide variety of students is allow them a curriculum that gives them flexibility. And for, for, so for me, that helps because, again, I can go up and down the scale. I can slow it down. I can do it again. And I don't feel rushed, like i got to get this unit done before this end of this month or my kids are going to be behind. I don't feel that pressure. I wait. If they don't have it, they don't have it. You know what I mean? And I'll keep going over it until they get it. When I feel confident they have the foundation, and then I can move on to some other stuff. So, but anyway, we can talk about the public education system, <laughs> you know, for the, the flaws there. But, uh, but I think that's one big part of how we're failing our kids in the public sector that we just don't have a lot of flexibility in the curriculum. And uh, I know that the new generation of science standards are trying to help. But I think that they may be hoping for something that's just not there. If, if you can't, I mean, passion is something that's difficult to teach another teacher. And if you don't have a teacher that's passionate about their topic, and again, if they don't have the flexibility to move up and down, you know, the scale and, and really, really, um, you know, share that passion with students. It's, if it becomes tedious and you, if you feel like you're in shackles, it's, it just doesn't become an enjoyable experience. And the students detect that and they feel that. And that becomes an environment that they don't want to be in. Wow. Um, uh, that's, that's, if, if we had more teachers like that, I mean, the world would be a whole different place. Um, I want to remind everybody once again that you're listening to the Haitian Free Thinkers radio show. 
My name is Reggie. You're also listening to Reggie, Reginald <laughs> Finley. Uh, so if you are out there in space, you want to call in, speak to myself or Reggie. The guest calling number is 657-383-1619. Once again, that's 657-383-1619. Uh, if you have messages or questions or concerns after the fact, uh, you can email us at HaitianFreeThinkers at gmail.com. That's HaitianFreeThinkers at gmail.com. I've also set up a uh, Google Voice number, which you can call or text. That number is 678-820-9474. So uh, I'm trying to leave no stone unturned, if you will, um, to have uh, give everybody the opportunity to reach out and uh, talk to us. Um, so... When you were growing up, uh, you grew up in a religious uh, environment, and uh, I'm assuming you're a Christian. Is that correct? Um, you know what? It's really interesting. I actually grew up in a free-thinking home. Uh, my mom said that we have uh, our, our religious background was Episcopalian uh, Methodist, the, the, the Black Episcopalian Methodist Church, and uh, on one side of the family, and they were really more like Methodist and Baptist on the other, and whenever I had questions about religion, my mom always told me to look it up. Uh, that's just what my mom used to say. I was like, Mom, what's Easter? She said, look it up. <laughs> she said, I didn't buy these encyclopedias. She asked me all these questions. <laughs> and so that's how my mom raised me, to do my own research and look things up. So I guess it seems kind of natural for me. Unfortunately, many kids are not growing up in that environment. They're growing up in, you know, uh, you know I'm, a, I'm, I'm either the expert and I'm going to tell you my biased view or I'm going to tell you I don't know, and that ceases the conversation. So there's no doubt that my mom had a heck of a lot to do with that, um, you know, my, my dad was really big on instituting uh, structure. So I've learned how to be structured because thanks to him. And, and, and perhaps some of that structure helped me in my thinking. And my mom just taught me how to do research and um, how not to lean on other people, you know, for all my answers. And so, but she, but the, the really weird thing though about this is that my mom, however, allowed me to go to any church I wanted to. So if I told my mom I wanted to go to a Catholic church, she'd be like, okay, and I'll go. And usually it was with friends. So, uh, and I had friends from so many different backgrounds. Um, I've had uh, you know, Muslim friends. I've had Jewish friends and Catholic friends and Baptists and Pentecostals. And I went to all these churches. And there's one thing I noticed at a very young age is that all of them had this invisible guy that they could not prove really existed. Every single one of them. And all of them are slightly different. And it wasn't until much later that I learned that even their books were different. As you know, 66 books in the King James Version, 72 in the Catholic Bible, you know, and I was like, how in the world? And so, so I left for the military uh, right around 18 years old, and I had these – I still had this belief that there was a higher power uh, leaning toward Christianity, but I knew something wasn't quite right, and even the, the pastors and the, my, my fellow choir team, they all knew something was wrong. And, uh, and I, eventually I just, I just walked away. And, and I kept coming back to different churches over the years. And, and eventually I just, I guess you can say, I just kind of kept moving further, further back until I just stopped coming in the door. Stories are remarkably similar. It's, it's, it's really, uh, <laughs> it's really uh, amazing. Um, I, I totally understand. I got it. I got the military background. I remember being at um, 
I think for the 50th ASG, I was in Fort Benning, the, mm-hmm. the, the processing place. Um, yep. I went, to and, base, I went to basic at Fort Benning. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there you go. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> 11th, <laughs> but um, I remember having a very serious um, crisis because, um, well, first, my first, I remember my first thing is that there was a, a stained glass window of a, of a kneeling soldier in front of a cross. Now, the military, for those who don't know, at least from my experience, is overtly uh, religious, okay? Right. Uh, at least, yeah, that's, that's been my experience. So I was like, why would? And at the time, I was naive. I didn't know. I didn't know. I was ignorant. I didn't read the Bible yet, and whatever. So why would like why would God be involved in this organization, which is about killing? Because I thought God was the nicest thing ever. I thought God wanted peace. I thought God was like a hippie. Um, right. So uh, yeah. So. Um, so that was pretty disturbing, and I couldn't really express that to anybody because I was there with a bunch of strangers. And of then once I was sent down range, I was, it was just all suffering, and I was just trying to hold on and graduate. And I remember, you know, marching, and the drill sergeant would 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 have us sing, sing cadences about killing and and stuff to to, to desynthesize us from from right. the, the what we were actually being trained to do, especially as infantry. Exactly. Yep. And uh, I remember thinking to myself, I said, you know what? If I was in a combat situation and I did actually kill someone, would I be forgiven for that? Mm. And and can I say that it was drill sergeant so-and-so that gave me the order to kill? (laughs) I actually actually pondered that, and I, I did not have someone to bounce that idea off of. And back then, I think I just assumed that everybody thought the same thing about God. I thought that people had the same idea about God right. uh, like I did. And um, long story short, it wasn't, during, it wasn't until a, a, a training session that my platoon sergeant, his name is Sergeant North, um, and, and Sergeant North was the uh, prototypical American white male like love of God, the Christian soldier. I mean, that's right. him. So he was like, um, what do you mean? Like he heard me talking to this one kid who was actually knowledgeable, a, a Puerto Rican guy named Juan who went to FSU. I'll never forget it. Juan, Juan and I was spitting, you know, he was, we were talking philosophy and uh, Sergeant North overheard us. And he was like, what do you mean God doesn't like war? Didn't you hear about the, uh, the, the Battle of Jericho. And I didn't right. know what I didn't know what he was talking about. Yep. Uh, and uh, later on, I learned, and you know, my world has never been the same. So. Well, yeah. I mean, again, wow. Like I said, yeah. I'm also, um, you know, obviously I was at Fort Benning, so yeah, I was infantry as well. And and that and you know, and they punish us if you didn't go to mass, right? You had to work k- kitchen patrol, right? If you, or you, or you, or you had to clean the washroom at the barracks and stuff like that. I didn't realize that that was wrong until many years later because they brainwash you. And you're right. So they don't train you to think. They say they want thinking soldiers. That's a lie. They want reflexively acting soldiers. If they can train you well enough to the point where you don't think, that's what they want. You're right. They don't want somebody saying, but am I going to go to heaven, though, if I blow this kid's head off? 
You know what I mean? They don't want you thinking like that. They want you to see. That's why they have all those nice little euphemisms for everything, right? It's a target. It's an enemy. It's a unit. You know, and you, you name everything almost like it's almost as if it's an inanimate object or machine. Everything, nothing has a human, nothing's personified. I mean, yeah. am I correct? Yeah. No, you're, you're, you're correct. I went yeah. to basic and uh, check this out. I arrived December 31, 1998 at 11.50 p.m. So I spent mm-hmm. New Year's uh, 1999 in this space that uh, forever changed my life. But um, I was I was amongst, you know, some of the toughest people I've, I've ever met. I still have so much respect for them because of what I understand them to be now. But still, um, deep inside, uh, the person that I am today was still there and could not be, um, I guess, brainwashed. I don't like that term, but brainwashed. Or brain warped, yes. Yeah, enough to, because I remember, and this is something that I tell very few people, we had a mass formation, and uh, Drill Sergeant, uh, I think it was Drill Sergeant Black, he, he said, like, who would be willing to blow somebody's head off uh, or who's not going to do it. And I was the only person that raised my, my hand in the company formation. I was in the back of it, but I, I visualized it. And, and, you know, one of the movies that made an impact on me as a person is Schindler's List, which my right. Jewish, my Jewish um, English teacher showed me, and I, I never forgot that movie. And uh, Schindler's List was the first time that I saw what I know to be the most accurate representation of what the human body looks like when it's shot. Mm. And it's not a, a, a good thing. And so why right. would I be doing such a thing? Because I was one of the people that joined uh, the military for college uh, benefits. Same, same here. So, um, you know, I wasn't, I, wasn't, I wasn't built for that kind of stuff. Um, right. I appreciated I appreciated the uh, the the experience. I learned a lot. I have perspectives that uh, very few people have. However, um, it is what it is. And uh, for those people who criticize those aspects of the military, I'm like right on, man. I know exactly what you're talking about, and it's not it's not a lie. It's it, it, it is what it is. So I don't recall ever being told that I'm I'm valued for my mind. That's no, we're oh no, we're, <laughs> not at we're, all. We're there to break things and and kill people, especially for infantry. So, oh, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. My my um, uh, communication sergeant. He pulled me out of rank one day. He said, "Finley, come with me." I was like, you know, "Yes, sergeant." Well, you know, he pulled me in and said, I said, "What's going on, sergeant?" He said, "Mr. He said, Finley, have a seat." He said, "Mr. Finley, I'm going to tell you something." Oh yeah, Mr. Finley, this is back then, just you know, private Finley. Private Finley, I'm going to tell you something. He said. You think too much. He said, you are too smart to be a soldier. I'm going to train you to be my assistant, my assistant combo chief. How do you like that? Did, did that tell you something? Oh, <laughs> he yeah. He knew. He knew right away that he says, it wasn't that I was weak. I mean, I could outrun any, I could do more push-ups than the whole, anybody in the battalion. That wasn't even an issue. He could just tell my mind wasn't there, you know, and he was like, nah. And he, I, I was forever thankful, you know, he really – he helped me see that there was more to me than even I thought for myself. And I'm never going to forget, you know, Staff Sergeant Woodland, um, I wonder where he is today. In, in fact, funny enough, his, 
he's actually the brother-in-law of Martin Lawrence. <laughs> but anyway, but I also wonder what happened to him because he, he was more instrumental than he could ever know, helping me begin to break free, break free of those chains. Um, but he was a Mason himself, a high, pretty high-ranking Mason. And I think he wanted to get me involved in that, but I knew, but I was, Obviously, if I'm not following, you know, if I'm if I'm not a mindless follower in in, in the military, why would I join the Masons? You know what I mean? So, but um, yeah, I got, but I, I, got a, I got a I got a Mason story involving the military too. So again, it's getting even more crazier uh, by the by the second. So uh, for again, for those of you who are missing out on this live show, it's your loss. The guest calling number is six five seven. Three eight three one six one nine. The time the time is now twenty one twenty two. I can say that because I know you understand what that is. So uh, I want to <laughs> be respectful of the time. So you let me know. So um, I want to make sure I cover all the important topics. But we're 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 deviating deliciously. Tomorrow is a big day, and uh, I have special feelings about the current election. But uh, how how do you feel like? Um, Secular issues, or like, what is there? Does that play any role in what's going on right now? Are are none, absolutely none. Um, In fact, it's been it's it's been even pointed out that even religion is not even an issue in this election. In fact, this is probably one of the first elections in a long while in which religion hasn't been on the forefront. It's almost as if the Republicans know, and the conservatives, the conservative Republicans, that know Donald Trump is not really religious. But they don't want to focus on that. And so this is the first time they realize that this is something they don't want to focus on because it's going to look bad for them. Um, Donald Trump has stated over and over again that you know, he, didn't, he doesn't really respect religion. He's not part of that. And yet all of a sudden, I have a good relationship with God. If you can't tell that this man is lying just by looking at him when he says that, you know something's wrong. So, so yeah, so secular issues and religious issues, funny enough, seem to be off the plate within this election altogether. The main issue seems to be economics. You know, and, and our and our status in the world and immigration. Um, you know, and these seem to be issues that I know Donald Trump seems to be focusing on. And uh, I mean, I must admit, you know, I'm not going to say who I voted for, but I will say, I really can't understand the logic of people voting for Donald Trump. I, I can say that for sure. Um, you know, you're right. Elections coming up soon, and the fact that this man is even being considered seriously as a candidate really says volumes about the failure of our education system and or it could be argued perhaps how desperate people are for really, really real dramatic change. I can't tell if it's from people on the racism side, but I'm sure they want change as well, or is it really just a common everyday person who may not even be racist, who just is just simply tired of the same old, same old. And I think maybe that's what we're seeing. We're seeing a lot of people who just want something completely different. They know that if Hillary gets in office, they're probably going to get the same. I mean, everybody knows Hillary. She says she's a Democrat. She acts like a Republican. I mean, so so I think pretty much, I think everyone's afraid that we're just going to get the same. And they're like, why not? And I think that's a bad approach to take. I'd rather take, you know, four to eight years or more the same than to have a president in office who, and we've all seen what he does. I mean, devalues women, threatens allies, threatens to break away and not support our allies, talks about how he's going to uh, cut ties from China, how he's going to build walls, and, and all these horrible things he's talking about doing, which he cannot possibly institute, by the way. Um, you know, for people to still follow this man after these wild claims, and dramatic claims, and unsubstantiated and supported claims he makes, is scary. Um, 
I'm, I'm, I'm just, this election alone has terrified me to no end. So something's really, really wrong with I, how we understand what evidence is and how to probably look at, how to probably look at evidence and how to um, you know, evaluate uh, and, and look at our, how we make decisions, evaluate how we make decisions. Something's wrong. I, I totally agree a thousand percent. One of the things that you mentioned that uh, bounty in my head that I think could really help that you're teaching your students is critical thinking. We don't have to agree, but if I can, um, let's say we were having a discussion, we have different perspectives on any uh, a given topic. If I can articulate, especially if I have some evidence, why I think option X is better than option Y, right. then that would be something. Um, exactly. And I'm very much... I guess in a way embarrassed oh to, be, yes. to be associated with. Uh, well, I'm I am an American by modern I understand standards, what you mean. But um, I've actually deployed to Iraq and I bought into the whole notion of fighting for freedom and all those things. And I've actually gone to Europe and I was told not to say that one I was American and two that I was a soldier because of how were perceived overseas, and, and then uh, to come back to the United States um, and to, you know, go through the Bush years and now to have uh, uh, Mr. Donald Trump be in on the precipice of possibly becoming Man, president. I, I would have Bush back any day compared to Trump. Uh, I think it's, it's like, I don't know, it's like, it's not fear. I don't know how to describe it. I'm in a bubble, okay, because I don't interact with Trump people. I cannot begin to even speak to them to try to understand. I get the exoticness, the whole he maybe state shooter, whatever the case is, but the, the bottom line is this. <laughs> the bottom line is this. Um, I feel that it just speaks to our, in enough American people's values to have them in place. So Someone like you and I, we value certain things that we have in common. So I would want some. I want. I want someone that's so ridiculously brilliant that I need to walk around with a dictionary to say like, what the hell did he just say, or what the hell did she just say? Because every time I leave, after I hear this person speak, my IQ goes up. You know what I'm saying? Indeed. Oh, I agree totally. One hundred percent. And I. And honestly, if I may, I think this is one reason why President Obama, not only because he's black, but I think this is one reason why he left behind and created so much hatred among some people because he he is articulate. He is very intelligent. I think he does leave behind many people who watched him speak, and he, he dazzled them to the point of frustration, I think, and they decide they don't want to listen anymore. Like I think they've, what they've done is convince themselves that he's an idiot because they don't understand him. And you hear this a lot. I'll, say, I'll, I'll be on YouTube watching a video and President Obama says something that's on point, articulate, and, I mean, just amazing talk. And you see all this racist stuff. Oh, he's such an idiot. Like, what? It's like, were you listening to the same speech that I was listening to? Um, but anyway, I'm sorry I interrupted you, but, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I'm there uh, with you. I, I believe, I personally believe that for such an important um, position, Supposedly a top flight country, right? Um, the person, you know, you, do you know Angela Merkel's cre- uh, credentials? You know, do you know Justin Trudeau. Tr- Justin Trudeau is able to speak about science 
intelligently. Right. I, I don't know if you've heard him speak, but there are some yeah, people in Canada, that, yeah. Mm-hmm. There are some people that if Donald Trump represents, God forbid, you or I at a, a formal dinner, no. Right. Oh, no. No way. I remember, yeah, I've, I've seen Trudeau, and everybody's like, can he be our president? I mean, you know, and it's a shame. And, and, and he's really just, in many respects, almost a white Obama. But it's just the fact that he has a white face, you know, that he, would, he probably would take better here, you know, that kind of – you know, passion for people and honesty and openness and you know and, and we need that here you know we really do need more of that here um, but I don't know what's going to happen I mean uh, I'm, uh, we shall see I, I doubt Trump's going to win uh, unless there's some cheating going on but now it's not like Donald Trump so never mind <laughs> okay well um you know this is you know one of the big things that we we touched upon earlier is how much technology has influenced um, the ability for people from different walks of life to find each other uh, in the secular world. has made it easier for people to date, and it's just just wonderful. Um, I'm doing this show, and I'm trying to do some more stuff eventually in Haitian Creole. One of the things that intimidates me, to be quite honest with you, is trying to put out quality information, factual information, in a uh, space where uh, material is very limited in Haitian Creole. The French, uh, you know, my French is not very good, but there's material in the French world that uh, people can find. But the thing is, in our situation as Haitians, if you are able to go to school and get formal education, a lot of it has to be private, which means money. And so you have a a, a smaller group of people that's able, able to get a classic education and if you are getting mm-hmm. educated they're getting educated in French and I'm just not able to produce French material right now. I probably would be able to find it and then send it to someone. But most of us actually speak for y'all and I feel like that's really what I really want to do ultimately. But the thing is um with technology back in the home country, um uh, being the you know the, the the economic situation. Not a, not everybody has access to YouTube and stuff like that. So by the time, even if I made 500 shows like your awesome program, how many people are going to be able to, to to get a hold of it? You know. So that's that's in the, I'm very basically kind of amazed about is that, and if this is the question I'm asking you: Why is it in 2016 with all this information that's available? Are we still talking about whether or not evolution is true or not, if climate yeah. change true or I not. Think, I, I think one problem with that is that because there's a lot of disinformation out there as well. In fact, I had my students, um, I, I, we thought of a lot of different controversial topics, and I said, now do a quick Google search just and look at the first five results. In almost every single one of those websites, whether it's acupuncture, remote viewing, um, the origin of AIDS, I mean, you name it, all those weird things out there in La La Land, all those results were pages arguing for the ridiculous non-scientific side. I said, so imagine if you have a population of people who have no clue how to do research. They see these results, and they think that they are true. And the argument sounds convincing because they're looking at them in a vacuum of ignorance. And so they're looking at these arguments, and they think they sound good because they're using science talk. And they go out there arguing these positions from these two-bit websites that have no credentials, no expertise in them, 
And I think that's what we're dealing with, and that's what we're battling. In fact, I'm writing a book related to this issue because there's a lot of dangerous stuff out there as well. There's There are a lot of natural cancer cures and treatments out there, and people are Googling because for, for monetary reasons, um, they're going out there trying to save money, and they're looking at these natural cures, and they're buying these things from anywhere from $1 to $10,000 treatments, and they think it's a deal because if they were to go through traditional treatments, they would be spending sixty-five dollars to $150,000. So they are now going to the Internet for medical advice, and people are dying. And for my research, uh, I plan on, I'm, planning on, I'm planning on finishing our book, and I'm, if I can get the money up, I probably won't be able to, but I want to finish my Ph.D., and that's some of the research I want to do is actually looking now at the actual damage because we know that there have been instances – the problem is we don't know how great it is that people are dying and because they are now looking at bad information on the Internet. So if people are out there you know, getting spinach enemas to get rid of their stage 3 colon cancer, you better believe they're going to the Internet to discover you know, the truth about Clinton's emails. Um, <laughs> you know, they're going to the Internet about you know, everything, about evolution, uh, all the arguments against evolution and how it's false from creation ministries. They, they are they don't know how to evaluate evidence, and that begins with good teachers helping to show them how to do that. I decided a few weeks ago to spend an entire week, not even in the curriculum, the, 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 the traditional curriculum, I should say, with the county. Again, luckily they give me flexibility, but I decided to spend an entire week with my students on nothing but how to properly evaluate research online. That's all we did. Okay, yeah. well, well, I mean, luckily for them, they're getting exposed to that, but where does the average Joe exactly. student and, get that? And they're not, and they're not, and they're not. And it's, and it's a dangerous problem, and I think until you know, educators and administrators realize that this is a serious problem. This isn't just, oh, oh the silly internet. No, this is bad. You know, and, and we see, and now we see the effects of this. We thought that maybe only the dumbest of the dumb are falling for this? No, they're not. It's the desperate of the desperate, the tired of the tired, you know, the ignorant. You know, this, that's what's happening. You know, it's not like these people have no brains. It's just that they don't know. They were never taught to how to evaluate what is true and what's not, and, you know, and – and maybe one of, and part of my efforts in my book is I'm going to talk about that. There's going to be a chapter devoted to how do we affect the politics of this. But it could be the reality, and the scary reality is they don't want that. Who doesn't want that? Hmm, good question. Well, I don't want to get into conspiracy theories here, but let me put it this way. If every single American was probably as knowledgeable as you and I, I would think we would see a completely different world. But do the powers that be, the ones that control our education system, do they really want people like us running things? I mean, I don't know. I mean, yeah. That's the thing. Like, I remember when I was researching about the possibility of building my my passion towards education, I thought, maybe naively, I was projecting whatever, that the people in position were as passionate, were as you know, wanting to give, you know, because you understand, I'm I'm an immigrant. I came from Haiti. I, you know, where we come from, uh, education is like, you know how people like sweat Jordans and stuff like that? 
Right. It's like, wow, you go to school, wow, your parents must love you because the tuition was, <laughs> was right. you know, you know, taxing. And it was one of those things where, like, when the person is educated, they try to, you know, speak that fancy French and, you know, like, it was, it's a big deal. I came to the right. United States, and I'll never forget this. My cousin and I were walking to middle school, and then he was kind of, like, basically dissing me because, I'm actually trying to get A's. Um, right. And then the culture is permeated with that kind of stuff. So, um, but that's at the student level. But if people are telling me that at the highest level, we have CEOs of corporations and these um, nefarious underpinnings, uh, pe- people have modeled um, the the educational system supposedly after the, uh, what was it, the, the, what's the name of the, the German? I'm, I'm, there's some system where it's made just for people to build, uh, for the students to be just um, robotic, uh, just to, to obey, if you will, and not necessarily question and, and all right. that kind of thing. Then, right. I, then it's not a conspiracy theory because there's data that can support that perspective. And also exactly. we, we, we can show um, by what we're putting out because, you know, like how America talks about how we want to be number one in the world. We're not number right. one in the world in the important. Um, no, we're, no, we're not. In fact, many of our, and agreed. And in fact, many of the PhDs that come out with really good research are people that come over here with a green card, right? They go to our schools, they they they, they work for a little bit, and then they go back to their own countries, heroes, you know. And and we're like, and then Donald Trump, for instance, is like, oh, we need to tighter controls on immigration, and we need all this. And, it, and when in reality is, if it, if it wasn't for immigration, in many respects, our economy would not even be where it is. Our advances in science may not even be where they, where you know, where they currently are, if it wasn't for people in other countries. Because the U.S. is really, don't get me wrong, we have some you know, really good you know, programs out there. We have really, uh, you, know, you know, wonderful Americans getting PhDs in a wide variety of fields. You know, but you know, engineering, um, you know, isn't where it needs to be, and. Uh, and, and quite a number of other fields. Um, I can talk about that for a while too. But, but yeah, so we're, we're lacking in many different areas. And, you know, again, it could be, or it could be a fluke. Like you said before, when, when we earlier instituted our educational system, we were trying to mirror other systems that we thought worked. But we were looking, this was a time when we were looking at educating people for particular jobs. This wasn't right. really about educating people to think more deeply about their world. And so when you look at it from that perspective, and then when we're kind of stuck in that rut where we haven't really revolutionized our thinking, then we're just going to keep producing the same kind of, well, the same quality of people, you know, and, and, and type of thinkers that we've always had. And I don't know, I, I challenged my students about this too a couple of weeks ago. I said, think about it. If you had hundreds of trillions of dollars and you could fashion a country or a world the way you wanted it, would you want everybody in your world to be highly educated. And I, ha- and I made them think about that. You know, as if you could control things, how would you want, how would you want things? You know, and some of them said, wow, you know, this really led me into kind of a dark area. <laughs> you know, because they started thinking about economics. They started thinking about how they, what are the means of production and who's going to run it and who's going to do this. And, you know, would somebody with a PhD, you know, want to, uh, you know, clean sewers? And, and so that we were talking about that. We were talking about free education and how that would work and, why, are, why is there so much pushback on free education? And all that kind of came into play 
And it really led us into some really good conversations about maybe there really is some kind of conscious resistance you know, uh, against us becoming the best we can be as human beings in this country, if not the world. Uh, definitely. And, you know, with the Internet, you would think that it, it, shouldn't, it shouldn't be as easy to keep that, that plan intact. But, I mean, like you said, there's white noise and, 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 and misinformation out there, and people are falling for it. In fact, I'm going to go on a limb and, and, and say that you know who this person is. Do you know who Peter Popoff is? Of course. <laughs> okay. Of course. In fact, I, I introduced my students last year uh, to him uh, in, in part of my Nature of Science demonstration, I mean, our lecture, talking about you know, how we fool ourselves and how do we know what science is. But, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So Peter Popoff came to the Marriott Marquis downtown yeah. Atlanta, mm-hmm. and uh, I was working, um, and I saw a long line of uh, desperate people. Uh, I mean, you, yep. you, you can clearly see that they were desperate. And I wanted to do something unprofessional, drastic, uh, but I was in my professional capacity, mm-hmm. um, and I couldn't really do anything about it. And I, like you said, I've matured since my early days, um, and I just felt sad that he was still functioning. Yep, but, he's back. But he's a product of um, the general, I guess, the, the, the essence of, of what's today, what's valued. And uh, as long as that sort of stuff is uh, is in the air, then there's going to be the pop-off. Like, um, like to me, um, Ray Comfort is like a pop-off. Um, um, right. there's, there's other people who are making money off, off people, and and we are looked at as the bad guys because we're saying, you know, critical thinking, challenge right. us even, but you know, like I'm the kind of person that I'm only I'm, I would like to at least only come forth with uh, information that I know is correct to the best of my ability. And not be scared because you can cross-reference what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? That would be the best possible uh, situation. But, alas, that's not the way that it is. So going back to to myself and when I think of, and what I think about what I would like to donate to the world um, and, and, and Haitian people in particular, I'm like, gosh, like, where where do I even begin? Because again, access to information is not as great. Uh, then you have a language issue. So, but but why is the United States still dragging behind Sweden, Japan, Denmark, New Zealand, right. Australia? Right. I mean, even yep. Turkey. I think even Turkey has a lower rate of believing in creationism, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I so, think we're, we're, I think we're, we're just above Turkey and the public's acceptance of evolutionary theory and evolution as a fact. Yes. So, like, so, like, I I, I want to say what gives, but I kind of sort of know the answer, and it's kind of depressing. I guess that's why I'm, I keep asking it. But um, for for those who don't know what you're talking about, let's just be just dumb and say when you say proper research, especially when it comes to internet, when, when to find out any given thing. 
Right. Well, how, what do you mean by that? How, how would they know if they found good information? Well, you know, it's funny. A new technique I do, I was explaining this to my students. Usually when you hear a claim that sounds kind of unbelievable, someone else has probably looked at that too and probably done all the research for you. Uh, so I remind them what you do is type in whatever that factoid is, and after it type in hoax or myth or, you know, or is it true or something like that with a question mark, and you'll be surprised that there will be people who have already done research, scholars out there, um, maybe even you know, uh, uh, award-winning journalists, whatever, and then you can track down their sources as well. And so I teach them how to do that. And, of course, uh, like Wikipedia, for instance, I tell them there's nothing wrong with using Wikipedia. A lot of high schools and colleges have steered a lot of their students away from that, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with you using Wikipedia. The issue is you need to make sure that you look at their resources, okay? And so that's where I show them how to look at that. I show them how to use open access journals, how to go to, how to look at an open access journal, how to pull out the information, how to read an abstract, and how to look at what the conclusions mean and how to interpret that information. And, and I explained to them that the vast majority of, I should say the vast majority, but a large number of sites out there of, or individuals that claim that their scientific research supports uh, or the scientific research supports their idea, um, when you actually look at the website, you look at the actual paper, I should say, it doesn't support their position, <laughs> you know, but they know that the vast majority of the public would just, if they even know that there's such a thing called research, they'll see a link down there and go, oh, look, see, a university study. I don't need to look any further, right? And unfortunately, we our time is precious these days, right? So we kind of, we're used to getting instant gratification and, you know, it's very difficult for us to want to dig deeper. But so that's what, when I talk about doing proper research, that's what I'm talking about. I tell them, you know, follow your sources to the root, uh, find out who said what and why they said it, when they said it. And then you can verify if it's true by just looking up actual surveys, data, uh, statistical analyses and whatnot. And, and or if you want to do a quick shortcut just to see if you're on the right path, like I said, just Google that same concept and type in hoax or myth. Uh, one of my colleagues at uh, my job said she believes in Bigfoot. And I said, and she said, all oh, this evidence is out there and blah, 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 blah. And I said, did you ever type in Bigfoot hoax or myth or scam or lack of evidence or anything else like that afterwards? And she was like, well, no. I said, then of course then. Then you'll never hear the other side. So I teach them how your own biases can affect how you do research as well. And, uh, yeah, exactly. And so mm -hmm. that's what I do. And, and it, it's a lot. And some of them, and some of my students say, "Wow, Mr. Finley, that's a lot of work." I said, "Well, it is, but if you want to know the truth is, you're going to have to put in. And it really all it takes is maybe five to fifteen minutes to get a really good, you know, idea of whether or not your idea is either most likely true or probably not true." You know, and that's all it takes. You know, most people, they see an idea. I remember the other day, my wife and I was, I was, uh, there's, there's, this, there's this website called, I think, Black, Blacks That Support Trump or something on Facebook, right? And they had this image of Denzel Washington on there saying that he has decided to, to vote for Trump. And my immediate instinct was, well, I know there are some black celebrities that do, so I didn't really doubt it, like, outright. I just kind of went, oh, there's another one. What the hell? And then my wife said, I don't know if I believe that. And it hit me, and I was like, crap, I didn't check. And then, sure enough, I went to go, I, I, I typed in Denzel Washington um, uh, voting for Trump, 
and I think it's either a myth or fake or hoax or whatever. And sure enough, the first result was a Snopes.com link, you know, showing that it was a myth that he, this man he, he he did not openly support Trump. So this is what I'm talking about, right? Sometimes things can be like they call pose law. Sometimes things sound like it could be true, so why not? You know, but what happens is other folks who may not have decided to do their research, especially people that are heavily influenced by celebrities, they could go, well, you know what? Denzel is doing it. I love Denzel. He's a smart man. Maybe there's something he doesn't know that I don't know. I'm voting for Trump too. Yep. As it's scary a- as that sounds, there will be people who would do that. Right. It's a tried and true formula that I've fallen for. Um, so um, it, it does work. Right. Yeah. Uh, the time is now 21.50. Again, I, I, I'm appreciative of, of your time. I'm having a good time. You let me know. I want to get to yeah, some yeah, topics. Yeah, about 10 more minutes, then, then i gotta, I got to head out here. But yeah, we can go over 10 more. Okay, so in the beginning, people of color were very rare. Uh, what's your assessment of the situation right now? Uh, I know you kind of like stepping back and doing your education thing, but like it's it's a lot more prominent. Have the numbers gone up? What's what's your take on that? Oh, so I missed the first half of that. On, on what now? People of color in the secular world. Is it? Oh yeah, uh, oh yeah, no doubt. I mean, there's no no doubt of going up, and and, I, and I'm glad you brought us back back there because I want to talk about this. There's a huge problem I'm seeing with a lot of young, um, you know, uh, you know, Black Americans, African Americans, whatnot in the movement. And I'm seeing a lot of very, I'm seeing a lot of impatience, and I'm seeing a lot of a lot of militant anger, I guess, that maybe I was victim of as well when I first started. But I am seeing a lack of critical thinking, though. I'm seeing a lot of angry atheists, that people that felt like, wow, I was duped all this time. I'm angry, but yet they still don't know how to really have a really uh, a pleasant conversation with someone about these books, about these ideas. They come across some of them very harsh, very angry. Um, they almost vindictive in some instances, and and I think that I don't think that's the, that's what we want. You know what I mean? When we're trying to show the world that we are thinkers, you know that you know I don't want to say better than you, but we aren't like you. We're not going to um, not like you because of your your position, you know. Um, and I, and I think the problem is I'm seeing more and more of that. A lot of just a lot of anger, and the critical thinking aspect isn't there. Um, it's almost like it's a, it's a fad, you know, and I don't know how to fix that. Maybe there's not a lot of enough old heads, you know, in there helping guide these youngsters, but many of them don't want to be guided, you know, and I, I just have serious concerns about the image that they're, they're giving atheists in general. Um, when they, when they do these kind of things, you, you see them online um, yelling, calling, calling every single religious person stupid and idiots. And, and I'm like, what, what do you expect to gain by doing that? And I'm seeing far too much of it. And I know that cannot be helping our cause. That can't be helping black free thinkers and agnostics and, you know, and atheists out there when, when we're by them doing this. And so I'm a little worried that, and, I, and again, I think that goes back to that lack of critical thinking in their homes and evaluating evidence and, um, and learning and knowing how to have good and proper discussions about things we disagree about. Those things weren't taught. Can you imagine being taught all your life, just obey, just obey, just obey, and then one day you look at zeitgeist on the Internet and you go, crap, I don't believe any of this crap. Well, what do you have? You were taught all your life to obey. So all you know is I'm not going to obey. Now, now it's like I think I'm seeing a lot of the youngsters just doing the antithesis. 
now, almost like a retaliatory kind of mechanism. And because there weren't those elements that gave them that foundation of rationality there in the the beginning, again, I'm just seeing still a lot of thought and rationality and just a lot of anger. And I can't blame them for being angry, but can we have a decent, rational conversation with people? You know, and I'm seeing more and more people leaving religion, but still buying also into supernaturalism. That's really heavy. I'm seeing also in the black community. You'll see a lot of people saying now, "Oh, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious." Right. What right. the hell does that? What the hell does that mean? So they've now decided I'm leaving the church in some regard, but I still am. You know, I still believe in God in some way. What does that even mean? And I've noticed there there's still a, a huge lack of again rationality and critical thinking. And, uh, there because they're still holding on to unproven things, you know, and things with no evidence. So I'm a little concerned about where that's going. I don't know if it's going to improve or get worse, but I have noticed that. And I've been in chat rooms where I've seen them just beat up a Christian. A Christian can come in and just asking a question. So like, hey guys, uh, my name is Sally. I'm a Christian. I'm 17, and I'm just curious about atheism. I don't quite understand. How can you not believe in God? Get out, you white bee. Uh, I mean, just. And I'm like, what is going on? You know, like, how do we get there? You know what I mean? And I'm just seeing, uh, but we could talk about that in general, about the entire Internet culture, you know, when it comes to comments. You see that across the board where there's just no um, etiquette there, you know. Mm-hmm. And, but also, but there's also, again, there's, there's a lack of empathy there I'm seeing you know, and, a, and, and a huge lack of, like I said, reason and rationality and critical thought. And, um I don't know. I think our education system will help big with that uh, if we can just get the right structure implemented and show how do we really dialogue with people. Um, maybe we need an internet etiquette course. Uh, I know that at my school we have that actually. The school I teach at, one of my colleagues, he teaches basically internet etiquette. Wow. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. one of the things that you know we we take for granted, but yeah, it's it's it's. Uh, it's a it's a great course to have. I didn't I didn't even think about it. I probably have some some etiquette that I need to pick up. Um, the, the, time, <laughs> the, the time the time is getting short, so I want to hit you with these two questions slash comments or whatever, just to get your thoughts on these things. Uh, the first okay. one is uh, because we, you know we promote critical thinking and everything, but sometimes critical thinking does things that uh, are unexpected or unpleasant even to us. So. Do you have an example of basically how through the process of critical thinking, whatever, it kind of yeah. ruined something that was kind of, I guess, pleasant for you, if you will? Um, um, no, um, not really. Um, no, I mean, well, I mean, as a researcher, as someone who researches all the time, there are going to always be minor upsets. Again, minor things you might have. You thought something was right, and then you discovered it was wrong, but nothing that just crumbled your entire worldview. I think me leaving religion was the biggest thing for me. I haven't had any other upsets as big as that ever since uh, since that. Um, so yeah, so when it comes to you know critical thinking, um, yeah, I, I just I guess I'll answer your question properly because I, I can't think of anything. Um, in that regard. Now, if you're trying to say, now, can, we, can critical thinking be used incorrectly? Uh, you know, sure, um, in some degree, based on biases. But, 
but but yeah, in my experience, I can't really think. I mean, I never really bought into unicorns and dragons and devils and demons and <laughs> aliens. Um, well, you know what? I must say this one. Ah, here's one for you. I remember looking at the Drake Drake equation, and um, and by for the listeners who aren't familiar with that, it's simply a calculation that speculates what the probability would be of life being elsewhere in the universe. And I remember thinking, as I began to become a critical, more of a critical thinker, I said, wait a minute, what? What other life forms do we have to compare that, you know, it to to make that a valid, you know, you know, uh, estimate? Like we have, we all, the only life we know of is here on this planet. And so I remember realizing because I had a long belief in aliens. Like, I mean, to belief to the point of I thought I just knew aliens existed in the universe, and I had to realize philosophically that you know what, really we don't really know. All we know is that there's life here on this planet. That's all we know. That doesn't mean there is no life else out, you know, out there, but that's all we know. And so I remember realizing that, you know, and I was kind of like, oh, <laughs> you know, I wanted this world. I, I really wanted there to be aliens, and, but now I realize, you know, what, we, we really just don't know, and that's okay. And uh, and I think learning that you're ignorant about certain things and learning how to make that okay is a huge challenge, and. Um, you know, just and I think people should continuously strive to fill those gaps of knowledge, but don't fill it with assumptions and superstition and you know and ignorance. Try, try to fill it with verifiable facts and knowledge, so that you can pass on that information to the next generation. And hopefully, in the future, we'll have a world that we can all be proud of, and in which we're finally thinking and 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 living our lives and 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 dictating our politics and in our economies based on science and, and reason and logic and evidence and not selfishness and ignorance. Okay, beautiful. Last thing, because time, time is running out. What are, I, 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 wanna, I, would, I wanted multiple claims, but what are, what is one claim in Christianity and one claim in Islam that is easily shown to be untrue without the use of like researching into like a computer or whatever. I'm talking about a casual conversation that you can possibly say, well, you can't, you can't, this cannot be done because X, Y, Z. So I'm looking for something very easy that laymen would possibly accept. That's my last um, Well, interesting. You know, I've had these conversations, I guess, for years and, I mean, there's only a few I've, I've found effective. I mean, one is this concept that God loves everybody. Um, you know, I don't think that's in the Bible per se, or maybe it is, I don't know. But, but they say that, you know, God loves everyone. And when I ask people to kind of look at the world, what is it about this world that you see that shows that there's a loving father figure up there that cares about everyone? Point that thing out to me and show me. And, and they'll point to small little things. And then I say, so if these little things prove then that there's a God because they're so awesome, so all these negative things then must prove that there isn't one, you know, and I think that bothers them somewhat. I know, I know one thing in particular in the Bible I remember discovering, and I remember spreading this, telling friends about this one, and it was the idea that um, they kept spreading this story that Satan challenged God and fell from the heavens, uh, a discarded angel and rejected by God because he wanted to become God. And, and I was shocked to discover that when I read the, the Bible in its entirety and really began to understand it, that really that was not uh, what that story was all about. 
and the, the Bible actually talks about other gods. And I remember sharing that, uh, you know, with other Christians before, and they were like, I didn't even know that. I thought that passage, my pastor told me that for years. I thought that's what that was, you know, and that, of course, it turned out, you know, not to be the case. Um, but, yeah, but I mean, it's been going on and on and on. But I do have a website uh, in which I talk about these things. It's called questionsaboutgod.com. Okay. And so if some of your listeners want to check that out, it's called questionsaboutgod.com. I've also created a Facebook page as well called questionsaboutgod.com. Uh, uh, someone took questions about God on Facebook, so mine is questionsaboutgod.com on Facebook. So, again, they can go to Facebook or they can go to questionsaboutgod.com and check out all those questions. And many of those are questions sent in by listeners from over the years they had about, uh, about Yahweh and and in Islam, one of the biggest issues they had with Islam was that whole issue with, uh, um, and I wouldn't say it disproved anything, because well, I could easily, like the Prophet, well, that was in Hadith, but uh, Muhammad flying to the moon on the back of a flying horse. Uh, of course, he would have died from lack of oxygen um, before you, or froze to death before he even got up there. But anyway, um, there are tons of stuff, like, as you know, and I, and I love to recommend if your listeners, listeners are not aware also check out skepticsannotatedbible.com. That of website has ton, yeah, tons of good stuff in there about um, Islam, the Mormon Church, I believe now as well, and uh, the King James Version. Tons of stuff in there that people may not be aware of. And, and I've always asked my, you know, my fundamentalist Muslim friends this. I said, so what do men get when they get to heaven? And usually they'll give you their spill based on their particular sect of Islam. And then I say, okay, what do women get? And there's usually dead silence. I think I like that question. And and it's very, it's very, uh, yeah, it's very unimpressive if whatever they say must be unimpressive because I don't remember anything. And to be quite honest, the Christian version of of heaven is very underwhelming too because they can't go into depth about it because it hasn't really been expressed. But Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, again, and, and honestly, and, I, and again, again, my focus is not on religion anymore. So that's why I really, that's why I just update my website periodically. I used to debate that stuff at the back of my hand. Nowadays, I don't really care anymore. So my, 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 my whole purpose and my goal really is to promote scientific, sci- science, scientific reasoning, rationality, critical thinking, and really love and peace for all mankind. That is my goal. Um, Cause people are going to believe what they want to believe most for the most part, but if you can teach them how to, question themselves then that's really where it all begins I mean I couldn't say it better myself um, uh, wow um, this 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 is probably the best show I've ever done as far as interviews I want to let you know straight up um, so I'm very happy that we were able to get together ever since that time that we met I don't know if you remember it's been like five of course years. I remember yeah I remember yeah, yeah. So, um, um, I thank you for everything. Uh, thank, thank your wife for uh, everything. She's I know, doing. right? She's been so quiet. She's, she's been saying she's been sitting here just quietly working on other things, listening. So she's, yeah. she's, she's awesome. <laughs> so uh, say hi uh, to her for me. Uh, again, so uh, the time is now twenty two oh five. We're gonna let Reggie go. This has been the Haitian Free Thinkers uh, Radio Show here on Block Talk Radio. Um, hopefully in the future we can uh, discuss some specifics 
at a more. Yes, I would, I would love to come back. And, and also, if they want to find out more about me, like I, my whole history and what I'm about, they can also check me out at ReginaldFinley.com. I have my whole bio up there and some of the research I've done about GMOs and a few other things. And my educational background's up there and, and even a few articles I've written and research papers and other things. So check okay. me out at ReginaldFinley.com. is really the hub for all my websites. Okay, ReginaldFinley.com. I have to write that down too. Okay, so ReginaldFinley.com, that's the main website for for him. Uh, he's, he's about educating, peace, love, and everything positive. So I don't know what the believers are talking about, you know, but uh, I think we're on the right team doing the right thing. So for the rest of you who, are, who were unable to catch the show live, um, my next show will be whenever I can schedule it. Just check check out um, the group Haitian Freethinkers uh, on Facebook. Um, I, I'd like to say that it's going to be next um, Monday night, but I'm not sure. I'm trying to get uh, an interview with somebody else. I met somebody, uh, Reggie, who um, is a member of this Christian sect that I've never heard of before. Basically, he believes that Jesus Christ came back in the form of a Korean guy, and as a Korean woman, who is called Mother Queen of Seven or something like that. Very interesting. Oh, my gosh. I, I, <laughs> why, why, why? <laughs> okay. Very, very nice guy. Um, I'm, I'm, I might visit his church because just like you, I visited different people. But anyway, he's the next person I'm trying to get on. But until then, um, this has been the Haitian Free Thinkers radio show. Um, we'll look for you next time and uh, have a good night. Good night. Good night. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.